Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, 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 you're going to set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah, the season's kicking off and the bill will be a rockin' And Bosco's wonder talking Purple love, purple love Bosco's boy, oh, just a hunk of hunk of purple love Just a hunk of hunk of purple love And the boneheads are talking purple Boom, the boys are back, and this is our final Blitz Month preview episode, and I was saving the best for last. He is one of the three horsemen behind probably the most popular K-State podcast around. He is the head of the most popular K-State fan site around. I miss getting wings with him at the Peanuts, but he is now living large and he's not the king of Manhattan, but he's probably in the Royal court. You know him, you love him. It is the man behind K-State online and the three mile podcast, Derek young, Derek, welcome to the show. Have you found a good wing spot or what's the best wing spot in Manhattan? You know, I can't say that it's a different kind of wing, but so nothing really matches what you can get from the peanut just like nothing can really match that introduction you just gave me but if i was to prioritize a wing here it's the korean fried wings at Tallgrass tap house those are those are really good i've had those a couple times they are they are good um i tell you what not a sponsor but they could be Tallgrass tap house before i recorded with jimmy over at manhattan brewing company i'm and i'm going to talk about manhattan brewing company here in a second I got their bon mi sandwich, and that was pretty good. 
Um, so I, I, I kind of go back and forth between those and the wings at uh, Tap House. So, um, so someone needs to get a nice independent wing shack type place and like a nice hickory pit barbecue place in Manhattan. I think those are the two things they're really missing. Yeah, just a few more restaurants or good eating places in general. Um, it's a it's becoming a little light in that area. I think just two, three more would really hit the spot. See, I'm not a fancy guy like you. I don't need fine dining or anything like that. You know, again, wings and some barbecue. Although, shout out to Cooper Beebe, apparently a big Jimmy John's fan. Yeah, that's strange, right? Like, I, if you're going to pick one spot now, his dad did defend him to me on Twitter. He's like, where else can you get a sandwich like that at 4 a.m., at lunch, and at midnight? I mean, that's true. I think I think that might have been an NIL deal because I think when he was on with uh, your colleague now, Andy Staples, uh, the On3 uh, uh, podcast, I don't know what he calls his podcast but i think he was on with andy staples uh a couple months ago maybe it's just like six weeks ago and he was talking up uh uh so long and taco lucha so i'm thinking there might have been some nil there maybe or maybe you know he just really loves jimmy john's so yeah yeah. sometimes you just need a sandwich well you know i there's nothing wrong with that i was uh in topeka taking care of uh my parents animals and I went to uh, both uh, Jersey Mike's and, um, oh, man, the Philly steak place, the chain. So sometimes you just need a good sandwich. Um, so, uh, but but we won't worry about that. What, what I am going to give a quick shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, folks, I'm talking this up until it is sold out. The championship run beer which was brewed with President Richard Linton, is a delicious blueberry Hefeweizen, and it is a purple beer, folks. That's right. Purple beer. It looks delicious. They're selling it in cans. It is on tap. Get in there. Check it out. And again, I've been getting tweeted. I've been texted. I've been DM'd. All these success stories of folks going to their local liquor store and saying, hey, I would like you guys to start carrying Manhattan Brewing Company. And guess what? They did it. If you live in the state of Kansas, be polite, but be firm and say, hey, I would like some four packs in here. And we've heard success story after success story. So if your local liquor store doesn't have it, it is time. Go in and ask them for it. And remember, first game, you're listening to this on Monday. It is this Saturday. Make sure you have some Towny Wheat, the official tailgating beer of 2023. All right, Derek. Also, shout out to them. They have a partnership with Bullet. So they have Bullet cocktails on tap, and you can get, uh, you know, just a, a pour of Bullet whiskey now every single day in Manhattan Brewing Company's tap room. So I know you're a whiskey guy. Uh, so maybe that's what you'll have. But l- let's get into it. I think this is the biggest question of the season, and that is how this team handles going from the hunter to the hunted. Everyone wants their final pl- uh, pound of flesh from OU in Texas. TCU did make the national championship game, but it sure does seem like as I'm going on some of these other teams' podcasts, as I'm talking to some of the other fans, that K-State is a game that is circled for just about everyone on the season. How equipped do you think this team is to handle that? I think pretty well, just because this is still – they've kind of adapted the the basketball strategy. And I'm not just saying Kansas State basketball, but just like college basketball in general. Like Jerome Tang has, has shared this statement before, but obviously he's far from the first to do it. And it's just kind of caught on and become a little bit commonplace in this era is like get old, stay old. 
And, and it feels like Coach Kleiman's kind of done that because regardless of what they lose, and they lost quite a bit from last year's team, especially in the, I guess you could say, firepower, star power mold. They lost quite a bit, um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Then, of course, Deuce Vaughn, Malik Knowles, guys like that. And it's still like, man, this is an old team still. They still have nine super seniors this year as well. Now, can they sustain that over time, even when the COVID year isn't necessarily in play? That'll be uh, an interesting element of how they try to maybe ignite that. Maybe Kansas State becomes one of the schools that tries to push the legislation that I've seen Frame for Shell and others share that give everyone five years of eligibility, just clean slate, red shirt or not. And you know what? I probably would be a supporter of that because I, I think that would really be up Chris Kleiman's alley. But I think that's why they are able, they're equipped to do this because they are so old and experienced and mature. And they've kind of established a locker room over the last, you know, I would I want to say three years that has probably prepared themselves for this moment. You mentioned it, the seam loss, probably outside of, Will Howard and Ben Sennett, they lost all the star power. Do you anticipate the same kind of number of stars and surefire NFL guys to emerge? Or do you think it's going to be more of like a divide and conquer task across the roster to kind of make up for those, you know, what, maybe five, six NFL guys that left last year? Yeah, you had, well, you had Julius Brents, you had Josh Hayes. Echo, um, Deuce. Echo. Echo Bordeaux, Deuce Bond, Felix. Malik Knowles, even though he's not going to make a roster, LK Warner making a roster. So you have about up to five guys that might make the NFL roster from last year's group. Do you have that again? Uh, certainly with Cooper Beebe. I think potentially with KT Leviston. But some of these guys are coming back another year. There's, I guess in a way to say it, it's it's hard to gauge that just because I don't know that they're going to lose that many players off of this year's team. I don't think it's a slam dunk that Will Howard's gone. Um, now, assuming he just lights it up, he probably is, and, and, and he probably will light it up. But it, obviously I'm just saying it's probably not an assumption that one can make or a certainty that you can kind of throw out there at this stage. I would say Cooper Beebe, Ben Sennett, KT Leviston, those three I feel pretty comfortable about probably playing on Sundays a year from now. Is there anyone else? I guess you're hopeful on Daniel Green. It'll be kind of a, a durability question more than anything, I am sure. I could see Austin Moore being a guy that comes back for a sixth year. Um, so, and the, the corners all have eligibility left, I believe, as well. Even though Will League, I mean, if he performs what his potential is, maybe he can be a one-and-done guy. That's probably – a little bit of a stretch, but obviously something that may be on the table. Kobe Savage, we'll see what happens there as well. So it is interesting. I think maybe defensively, maybe divide and conquer a little bit. Um, but I, I end up, you know, just kind of scheming in my head right now. I still think that there is firepower on this roster. There just might be not the the name recognition going in that you already have with Julius Prince, Deuce Vaughn, and Felix Eni, DK Uzama. But at the end of the year, you can you might be looking back and be like, we had more guys that were maybe a shade under that. 
So this isn't on the outline, but I've gone through the Blitz Month preview. We had the Boneheads get their predictions, and we've heard Deuce Vaughn, or to replace Deuce Vaughn, we've heard both DJ Giddens and Trayshawn Ward as guys who could be the offensive MVP outside of Will Howard. How are you handicapping that race, and how do you think the touches are going to be divided between those two? Is it going to be a 50-50? Is it going to be 60-40 one way? Uh, 70 30 one way how, how do you handicap and how do you think that's going to end up going i think that probably is going to be about evenly as possible between the two and the touches will probably vary the kinds of touches that those two get um you'll probably see some packages too when they're both on the field at the same time uh it's going to be interesting i think that's a storyline to watch certainly throughout the non-conference is how they divvy those um, touches up and, and keep both of those guys happy as well, because that's probably going to be a little bit of a challenge in itself. And is there a point where they do go with a hot hand scenario? Um, if one of them's cooking, do you really try to go to your plan of splitting these touches up or, or do you kind of ride the horse that got you there, so to speak? Um, if he's just, you know, absolutely on a hot streak or cooking, like I said, so, uh, that is a storyline, and it's probably not even going to be an easy one for the coaches to navigate, to be honest. I, th- I think those situations are harder to maneuver than what we typically see or, or, or know, because I think you're also dealing with you know, egos and personality as well, and I think that's important, important for a team. The only thing that I role-wise that I, I kind of feel comfortable on just because of play style I mean, Trayshawn Ward's probably a more dynamic, explosive guy that has a little bit more short area quickness, maybe even a, probably more elusiveness as well. But DJ Giddens is someone that just wants to take the ball and get downhill and, you know, run through contact. Like, he's that kind of physical bigger back that you don't see often in today's game, and he loves that. I think he seeks it out. I remember times last year where – it looked like he could run to a bit of space, but instead he ran toward someone because he would rather do that. Um, because of that, I, I could definitely see him being as the fourth quarter guy that's a little bit fresher because you have split up the carries through the first three quarters and just really leans on the defense behind that entire starting offensive line that's back from last year. And I think that's maybe where you could see some separation. K-State is replacing four of their five guys who started the most games in the secondary last year. Seemingly next to no K-State fans seem to be really worried about this. Is this just, you know, the fact that, hey, they continue to turn it over year over year where you're replacing three or four guys uh, and K-State fans are like, hey, everything's going to be fine. Um, They're going to be one of the top five secondaries in the conference. Is it going to be, you know, same old, same old there? Or do you have any concern? I, I think that blind faith is probably just something that's been justified and earned over the last few years. Um, so I can understand it, and I, I, I'm not going to be critical of anyone that feels that way. They haven't had to turn over the cornerback room before, though, so I think that blind faith will probably be a little inaccurate there. Now, the safety stuff, it feels like they, they have to turn the safety room over every year, and they figure it out anyways, so I can understand that. Plus, B.J. Payne did start four games last year, so in a way, they do have two starters back. I mean, and B.J. Payne has continued that ascent, had a really good offseason, so I, it's almost like you're having to turn over that safety room less this year than you did last year in a way um, because you bring back Kobe Savage and you bring back B.J. Payne, and now you have Marquis Siegel who's kind of been under this coaching staff before too. But, you know, 
Um, well, actually, not under this particular one, but in the system in North Dakota State, and that's how they want to operate and run things a little bit, even if the scheme is a little bit different. Corner's a little bit different, so that's where I'll have my eyes the most. They have three guys that they think are starter-worthy, and Keenan Garber, Willie, and Jacob Parrish. I think Parrish is definitely a starting spot, and the other two is probably bound out the other one, but I imagine all three are going to play quite a bit. If you're going to have growing pains, especially in the front end of the year, I, I imagine it might be in the secondary, but we'll see. Um, you're kind of navigating some injuries at the other spots as well. No, I, I'm right there with you. And they've turned it over a little bit because, you know, from year one to year two, you know, you lost both your starting corners. And then Julius Brents has only been here for two years. So, uh, you know, they've, they've turned it over a, a little once. Yeah, once. Echo was a three-year starter. So, yep. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. And, and you know what? Sh- shout out to Echo Boydo, man. How about him? Start starting as a camp invite, just a filler body, has a yeah. great rookie mini camp. Hey, come come to training camp. Great preseason. Now he's benefited from a few injuries in front of him, but he's either going to be one of the final guys on the 53 or I think a surefire practice squad guy. And I couldn't be happier for him and his family. How about that? Yes, yeah, same. It's a it's a really good story. I really, to be honest, now I don't follow every single player in their path, obviously. So I'm sure this has happened before, but it's incredibly rare. I mean, the kind of invite and opportunity, NFL opportunity that Echo Boydo got was basically, hey, bring a water bottle, your your cleats, and some shorts so our wide receivers can run routes against. It it was it was not like man we think you can play in the NFL. It was like hey we need a warm body out here during rookie camp so our wide receiver Rashi Rice can run routes against someone. That's all it was. So um, from uh, I say Pitts, but from the the way that he was viewed and given to now maybe being making an NFL roster in a span of like five months um, is pretty incredible. Like. He didn't get the same opportunity that like Ty Zentner, Malik Knowles, and Kate Warner got. Yeah, that that is very true. I will say on Malik Knowles, it does sound like he got put on the uh, non-football injury list and he will be converted to IR. So he'll at least get his shot next year again with the Minnesota Vikings if he can rehab. But yeah, it, it is wild to see what happened with him and uh, if he can, if he can make that fifty-three man, and if he makes like a game day roster this year, that has to probably be one of the better kind of K State to NFL stories that we've seen in a long time. Absolutely, and and that's that would be another defensive back that the staff has coached that's playing on Sundays. We you would have Echo, Josh Hayes, Russ East is playing for the Rams. Oh yeah, um, Julius Prince. I mean, it's they they're starting to have a little bit of a rolodex over there. Was Keandre Thomas on that very first climbing staff, or was that a final year of Bill Snyder? No, I think ooh, that's a good question, but he is on an NFL roster still. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's a lot of them. Um, we'll move into the Blitz Month predictions. We're going to get Derek Young to go on the record, but before we do, I want to give a shout-out to my friends at Charlie Hustle. If you're listening to this on Monday, if you want a Will the Thrill quarterback club shirt, you better get over there fast. Because the K-State beef shirts sold out in like six hours. So if there's anything left for the Will the Thrill shirts, if that's something you want, get over there right now. Come back to the podcast. Please come back to us. But get over there now. 
Make your purchase and then check out all the other great stuff from Charlie Hustle. They got a couple new crew necks, couple new hoodies, long sleeve shirt, a lot of t-shirts. It is a great Kansas City owned company. And then again, look, if you're cheering for the team that plays in Raytown, Missouri, in Arrowhead Stadium, they also have the Arrowhead collection. Also, tweet at them. Tell them you want a Felix shirt. Might as well. They had one for the first round draft picks last year. Let's get ourselves a King Felix, Charlie Hustle, Arrowhead collection shirt as well. CharlieHustle.com, vintage made fresh. And again, it's almost September again. We're going to have a giveaway every single month. So if you didn't win, if you weren't uh, the winner from August, the calendar is going to turn soon. You're going to have another shot. All right, let's get into predictions, Derek. Um, We're going to talk about Will Howard in a second. That's the qualifier. No Will Howard. So outside of him, who do you have being this year's offensive MVP? <laughs> I will say Keegan Johnson. I will say Keegan Johnson because uh, it's probably low-hanging fruit. If you told me best offensive player, I would pick Cooper BB. I think the offensive line as a whole is what is valuable, maybe not um, one guy. Ben Sinnott is a really good argument because there's just not that many tight ends across the Big 12 that, that present the same value as he does outside of maybe Jatavian Sanders from Texas. But I think for Kansas State, they need an explosive dynamic playmaker, a wide receiver to make this offense go. You got it in spurts last year from Malik Knowles, and that's why it kind of the offense took another gear in ways along with Ben Sinnott. You need that receiver. I love Phillip Brooks but that's just not his traits. His traits aren't conducive to that contribution, to that kind of production. RJ Garcia, that's a lot of burden to put on a first-year guy as the third starter. Keegan Johnson has to be that dude. That's been a popular one. Um, I'm right there with you. If Keegan Johnson's going to have that big gear, uh, I think Will Howard's going to as well. The excitement is so high for him. Um, we've run the gauntlet on Will Howard. I, re- I remember after his very first game, everyone on board, and then uh, it's slowly fallen off until last year where excitement's through the roof. I believe on three had him as a Heisman dark horse candidate. He's been listed as anywhere between the number one quarterback in the Big 12 to I saw one place had him as number eight, which is just asinine. Um, it is. It is asinine. But I will say, like, the Big 12 is just kind of like a hosh-posh of a lot of solid quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. So, I think – and I I think you are underselling Will Howard if you kind of put him into some of that group of the solid guys. But there's there's very few bad ones and very few elite ones in this league. They're all, like, on the same level. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, again, Jalen Daniels, he's a glass boy, but he'll put up the numbers, although – Again, shout out to my friend Ace Edwards over at Aggieville Alley Cats. He had a great YouTube video breaking down how uh, Jason Bean and uh, Mr. Daniels, basically the same quarterback, same production, everything. So I think that's system more than anything. But, you know, Tyler Shupp over at Texas Tech, another glass boy. If he can stay healthy, he can be a quarterback. A lot of glass boys. Yes, lots of glass boys. I mean, speaking of glass boys, TCU. Well, Alan Bowman, he's not even being listed as a starter. It's a three-way or party down at Oklahoma State. Um, But, again, another glass boy. Uh, TCU, you know, Sonny Dykes finally getting his preferred starter. Uh, We'll see if he gets knocked out versus Colorado once again. Um, But lots of glass, but a lot of guys who could be good. Again, Dylan Gabriel, I think he ended up being first team all Big 12 last year. Also a glass boy. You're correct. (laughs) He's getting hurt. All the quarterbacks are getting hurt. And then all it's going to take is 
uh, you know, a couple bad games, and I'm sure we're going to see Arch Manning in Austin. Anything could happen with the quarterbacks this year. Yeah, and, and we're probably – we're going down a rabbit hole here. One thing that I'm kind of like, because if you go through all these, like, solid quarterbacks and how many of them are glass boys, and I, and I think about one that we don't call glass boy that people probably aren't giving enough enough a love to, and that's probably because they're new to the Big 12, the John Rice Plumley, Like, yeah. UCF has a chance because of that dude. Yes, he, he he is good, and and I I I've kind of gotten to the point, and this is again uh, we're we're kind of going on a tangent, but that's why this podcast is awesome. I I think I've gotten to the point where I I I don't think I'm giving Baylor enough credit because I think Dave Aranda is too good of a coach to be trash back to back years, and I also think I, I keep kind of chalking the UCF game, maybe not as an easy win, but kind of like you know tier two when it comes to easy. They're not Houston, they're not Semo. Um, but I, I think they probably should be worrying K-State fans a little bit more. That's the very first Big 12 game. They're going to be hyped up. And, again, John Rich Plumley, good guy. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But but let's get back to Will Howard because he's our guy. Kellis Robinette came on. He said that it wouldn't be shocking if he's a guy who's getting some Heisman votes at the, at the end of the season. Excuse me. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of the highs. Let's focus on the highs. What could his ceiling realistically be for this team? Kels is probably right. I, I think, I mean, his ceiling, I'm not saying he has a limitless ceiling, but his ceiling is someone that's led Kansas State to about an 11 and one year, has over 3,000 passing yards, and is all Big 12 first team. So, th- I mean, that's the ceiling. And, I mean, even if he, if you played 13 games instead of 14, if you extrapolate his average last year, I think it gets him over 3,000 yards for that amount of games and and unlike some of the other guys i know and i know we got dinged up a little bit against tcu but will howard has been actually one of the more durable quarterbacks throughout a career at kansas state in quite a bit now maybe i should be knocking on wood and i might have just jinxed him but just considering that I, i just think that in ways i would be stunned if he doesn't throw for 3,000 yards and and i and this sounds weird because it shouldn't be that much of a unreachable number, but that's just not common at Kansas State. Yeah, if you look at tempo and just play calling historically, I, I think it's just Josh Freeman and Jake Waters are the only two. Um, yeah, so and, and, then, and the touchdown records. Oh, <laughs> and, 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 like, and I'm not even trying to make fun, but they're pretty laughable. So laugh, it's so laughable that like they're, they should be easily attainable. Well, it's kind of like the Royals home run records, but when you look at K-State historically, again, it's always been a run first program. I think literally, if you, if you look at it, it would be the Ron Prince years and uh, Jake Waters senior season. I think those are really probably the only four years in the history of modern K-State football where it's been more pass than run. So it is wild yeah, to and, see. And, we're pr- and, the, and typically the, the way things, things go, you don't go backwards on that either. So Colin Klein's like quarterback rushing touchdown record is untouchable. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with you. I don't think that's going to be touched by another quarterback. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm pumped about it. It will. I I think. And again, I'm not going to take much away from the non-con. Although I don't think they can put together a sleepwalk vanilla, uh, you know, offensive script versus Troy. I think they learned their lesson versus Tulane. But I'll be interested to see what the run-pass split looks like through that first three Big 12 games. Um, so um, it, it'll be interesting. Um, let's move on to my, the one of my, one of my, oh, one of my 
one yeah one of my bold predictions though is that k-state smokes troy like i i i think troy's getting a little too much love and i think it's almost flipped the game two and game three because a lot of the times these things flip bounce out um especially when there's a little bit of things that are uncommon like you look at troy last year won 12 games i think they went 12 and two easily could have won like seven like that they, they did it with smoke and mirrors had a little bit of luck on their side on the flip side, Missouri only won six games. Like I hate saying this, they could have won eight. They could have won nine. They could have also won a lot four. of close losses. They had a couple yeah. close wins. A lot well. of clo- yeah, a lot of close losses. I mean, some of that's just that you know you do it enough. It's a product of who you are, and maybe what you are as a staff. But I would say this year for me, just the, I think I think the Missouri game's a tussle, and I I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas State kind of rolls Troy. Well, as long as their wins, I don't really care. <laughs> uh let's move on to defensive mvp no restrictions here you can go with anyone who do you got oh defensive mvp um part of me probably would have instantly said Uso, just considering the love that he's gotten the praise that he's received but well uh, maybe a little bit of a slow start because of the injury stuff that we're starting to hear out of that i'm going to go with you know what i'm down to this is tougher than I thought it would be. Um, I'm probably down to two guys. And maybe it should be three because maybe I should throw Kobe Savage in there. But I'm down to like Khalid Duke and Austin Moore. Um, I think I think I'll go with Khalid Duke because he'll probably have the more explosive dynamic plays um, that can alter a game kind of similarly to what we have seen in the past from guys like Felix Andy Zama, Eli Huggins. Julius Brent, like I think Austin Moore might be the best deep player on this defense. Um, I really do. But in terms of splash plays that really significantly change a game, he's probably not going to be that same kind of disruptor or havoc creator. And we're talking about MVP, you probably need to do a little bit of both. So I'll go Khalid Duke. Been a popular pick. I'm pumped to see him back on the edge uh, this season. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, who's going to be your breakout player of the season on offense? This year, uh, we, we've allowed it to be either a newcomer or someone who's yet to really be a starter for K-State. I think next year I'm going to kind of break those two up. Um, but who do you have being the breakout player? A breakout player. And there's not a whole lot of options just considering um, everything that's back. So nobody on the offensive line, so to speak. Can't pick Ben Sinek, can't pick Will Howard, can't pick Philip Brooks. So that leaves you really with only Keegan Johnson, which is a bit, which is like cheating to me. So I'm not doing that. Um, Trayshawn Ward is a little bit like cheating to me too. I mean, and that only leaves you with DJ Giddens and RJ Garcia. To be honest, DJ Giddens feels like cheating. Um, just, you can go with whatever I, you want. We we've had a lot. We've had. A lot of all those names you said that would be be like cheating. Uh, I think that's because there's just obvious answers who it could be. So we, we we've had we've had all those guys you listed. So you can go on the record for whoever you want. I'll say DJ Giddens because out of that group, it's probably the least like cheating and a guy that's still going to get a really solid amount of production, maybe a lot of production. So I'll go DJ Giddens. RJ Garcia is probably the only player on the entire offense that, that isn't like cheating. And I'm just not sure what kind of production we see from a third receiver. All right, let's go to defense. Um, you know, you can cheat and say Will Lee if you want, but who, who do you think is going to be the breakout player there? 
Yeah, Willie kind of feels less like cheating too because he hasn't played college football at this level yet. Uh, he was a JUCO pickup. That is true. That is true. Playing um, the JUCO All American game, JUCO All American. I think they're the number two JUCO defensive back. I'm pumped for Will Lee, if you can't tell. Yeah, no. I just I imagine maybe a little bit of a slow start. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, first year starter there as well. You know, Jacob Parrott, all three of those corners you could take. You could take, I guess, BJ Payton a little bit like Cheating because he has almost started a half a season, which is pretty incredible to say that as a true freshman at Kansas State, to be quite honest. Marquis Siegel, although he's played Division One football, so it's a little bit different. He played at North Dakota State. Uso, he got in a little bit last year. I mean, that's that's probably the obvious answer that everyone should take um, and the best answer. I'll slip in a, a, a sneaky one, and I bet it's been said before, but, man, they love this guy, Desmond Purnell. I think that's the guy. We've had Desmond Purnell picked as a defensive MVP during this whole thing. I I think the Topeka Cat put on a lot of muscle. I am pumped to see him out there. And it seemed like he ran away kind of with a starting position when they came into came out of spring thinking, hey, that's going to be a position battle. Sounds like he ran away, and he is going to be that starter at Sam. Yeah, th- there was two spots on defense, I guess four, because I'm saying safety across the board. So – I thought there would be position battles at safety, and I thought there would be a position battle at Sam Linebacker. And it felt like as soon as we got to training camp, Desmond Purnell was already the starter, and Marquis Siegel and VJ Payne were already the starters at safety along with Kobe Savage. Now, is that a sign that maybe the depth isn't where you like, or the starters are just that good? Hopefully it's the latter. Yes, I, that's what I'm going to choose to believe. Um, if you had to if you had to tab one true freshman to make the biggest impact on this season, who would it be? Oh, that's tough. I'll, I'll probably say Joe Jackson, a running back, just because it is very easy to play three running backs. It's a little bit less easy to play, for instance, true freshman at linebacker in the second group and have the same kind of splash. So I'm talking about, you know, because Asa Newsom continues to get mentioned as well. So of the guys that sounds like is going to play, and probably has a better chance of making some kind of impact. I think Joe Jackson is I, – I, I find it hard to come up with a better answer than Joe Jackson. Here's a question not on the outline, but if Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein knocked on your door, they came in with some pumpkin spice lattes because they're crazy, drinking pumpkin spice lattes, hot lattes when it's 90 degrees outside – sat you down and said, Derek, we think that Avery Johnson could make impacts on more games than not. We have a package for him that we feel comfortable with, but we're torn on whether we should redshirt him or not. What advice would you give them? I would probably say screw the redshirt, especially in this day and age. Um, but I would ultimately leave it up to the kid at this point just because it is kind of a 50-50. So I would probably leave it up to Avery. Uh, on how he wants his career to kind of begin just because there's probably not a right and a wrong answer, but you can do wrong by the kid by doing something that he doesn't want to do um, in case he wants to leave something left there um, by chance. Um, But without that input from Avery, I would say typically I would worry about red shirts anymore, but you know, we'll see. Cause I, 
I do understand the the elements and the idea of a package for a dynamic playmaker of his kind, because even if he's not ready to be the starting quarterback right now, because Will Howard is just that good, he is ready to have the ball in his hands and do something with it at the college level. He's not behind in that department. He may be behind as a quarterback and, and learning all the ins and outs. But I, I kind of said this before, like the challenge of not disrupting an offensive rhythm, like how do you go about that? Do you really want to take the best – you know, people think Will Howard's the best quarterback in the Big 12. Do you really want to take him off the field? So – how to make that work without being disruptive is also a challenge. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, my favorite uh, question, and uh, shockingly, there, there's been a lot more answers to this than I thought there would be. What do you consider the pendulum game this season? Yeah, um, the the pendulum game is probably – I'm not looking at the schedule right now, and I know I hadn't discussed it, so I'm going off of – you know, blind memory here because I, I lost my internet this morning, of course. Um, it's kind of been unstable. That's what happens when it's 110 degrees for 11 straight days in Manhattan. Um, I think it's actually one of those first two Big 12 games. I think it's UCF or Oklahoma State. And UCF, maybe it's more of a trap game. Oklahoma State might be the swing game. But I tell you what's another trap game, and I know I'm going off on a tangent. I'm answering your question and about three others in my in my lone answer here. But another trap game that nobody mentioned, and then I went and through and did my game-by-game game predictions is and actually you hit at it, is Baylor at home. Because that game comes right after Texas. And I think there's a shot that Kansas State beats Texas this year. Because I'm going off of Chris Kleiman's history. He takes down a giant every year and unfortunately for Oklahoma it's always been them and they're not on the schedule anymore and that kind of leaves Texas and regardless if they win that or not and I think they can win it just because of what I just said that game's going to be so monstrous for them last year of Texas in the Big 12 as well right um, Chris Kleiman's last chance to beat Texas the only team in the Big 12 he hasn't I think that game is so significant then you have to come back home and play Baylor that next week I think that's a little bit of a trap. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, you kind of were hinting at going through the season. As we sit here today on August 25th, folks will be listening to this on the 28th. Yep, on the 28th. What's K-State's record going to be? I said when we did it on three mile, and then kind of when I've gone through it over and over, the – I come out to 10 and 2, just like I did last year, which they went 9 and 3. And my losses have been to Texas Tech. Like, I think that's a common one. There's like nobody thinks Kansas State's going to win that road game. So, of course, they probably will. But I, 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 I predicted it on a Texas Tech podcast. I said it, it's going to be like a 38 to 35 or 41 38 game. And I'm, I'm choosing K State. So <laughs> I, I'm on the record having us beat Texas Tech. Yeah. Well, it's going to be. A, that, that'll probably be a night game, too. So a night game in Lubbock, and they're going to be juiced up probably for that as much as they would when they play Texas on Thanksgiving. Or no, that's in Austin. Um, so I have them losing to Texas Tech, and I have them losing to Baylor. So kind of a weird schedule. But I will say, everyone thought I was nuts last year. I was wrong on a 10-2, and two, but I picked Kansas State to lose to TC during the regular season last year, and nobody thought the Frogs were going to be that good. 
And of course, I didn't think they would go to a national championship game, but I had that loss. So, you know, typically I'm pretty good at this. I There might be another loss in there somewhere. You never know. There, there might be another win in there somewhere. You never know. But because I, I had them beating Texas, but losing to Texas Tech and Baylor. But I will say the UCF game is scary. I think the Oklahoma State game is scary. Um. The TCU game. Here's the problem with Kansas for Kansas State too, as they're going to play a lot of these teams, especially early in the Big Twelve schedule. That the way their schedules lined up, they're all going to be like confident and flying high because UCF, Oklahoma State. I think even if I remember correctly, TCU. Man, it's pillow soft until they play K State. Yeah, it, it, it's going to set K State up to have some ranked ranked matchups. Um, and the fun part about the Big 12, and I talked about this on the Rock Chalk podcast with Andy Mitz, um, the fun part about the Big 12 is there are so many 60-40 games, so many 50-50 games, not a ton of 80-20 games in the Big 12, no matter whose schedule it is. So it's going to be I a agree. scary roller coaster, cardiac cats. Make sure everyone's taking their high blood pressure medicine. Make sure you have a baby aspirin in your pocket. It is going to be a wild season. Unfortunately, and here's what I kind of got to too, even when I had Kansas State at 10 and 2, which is 7 and 2 in the Big 12. In the past, that's a lock for Arlington. Not this year, just because of the imbalanced schedules and the way teams are playing. Yeah, because look, like I want Texas to be a fraud, but I'm not confident that they are this year. And if they go 7 and 2 or better, then it makes it a little dicey. Oklahoma got the biggest gift of anyone leaving the big 12. Like Brent Venables has to be an incompetent coach for them not to be at least seven and two in a big 12. Like it's, it's unreal what, what they were given in their final year in the big 12 from just from a scheduling component. And I said this too, and I don't think that they're really that good, but if Oklahoma state just gets to a respectable level of football, like that's a joke of a schedule. They don't play. Like the Texas teams, I don't. I think that's what they avoided, right? They lost. They they avoid like every Texas team, but they Houston. might have Baylor. They might. Have I don't Baylor. think so. I think they miss TCU, Baylor, Texas, and Texas Tech, and play the four newcomers. I thought they had three of the four newcomers, but that's wild. I, I they that's, play. That's a I wild believe. Schedule. Yeah, you, if you're listening, just go look at that Oklahoma State schedule. But I believe they are. They might be the only ones, but they get all four newcomers. Now I'm I'm just looking it up because I am now. That's so why play, if it's why yeah. if I'm if I'm correct, take the over on the Oklahoma State wins total just for scheduling purposes. Yep. So they have Central Arkansas, Arizona State, South Alabama could be uh, sneaky. Iowa State, K State, KU, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, UCF, Houston, BYU. Yep, they have all four newcomers. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Why couldn't that have been yeah, us? So yeah, if you why wanna... couldn't we have had Oklahoma State schedule? I'd be talking, I I mean, man, I well, would be no. talking 12 and 0. No, seriously, if Kansas State or or Texas, just like if any of the top three or four Big 12 schools had that schedule, I'd be like, man, they're not gonna lose a game. Or even Oklahoma's schedule, man. I mean, oh, that, I that's well documented, but like SMU might be the toughest game they play before Texas. Heck, that might be their that might be their third. I guess they play TCU. 
But man, that's one oh, of my hot takes this year. Maybe it's not that hot. Maybe it's lukewarm. Is TCU might be a fraud? We'll see. Um, I kind of think that as well. Um, but I'm not convicted in it. Well, I'm um, pretty convicted because I don't think. Like, look, there's a good chance they have a quarterback injury, especially because all the luck they had last year and Chandler Morris is a glass boy, and they got nothing behind. That's true. That is true. That'll be a fun thing to watch. So uh, you reference it. Seven and two used to be like, hey, you'd have to thread the needle of bad tiebreakers not to make it to Arlington in the past. Now unbalanced scheduling, 14 teams, and even moving forward in the 16-team schedule, seven and two is not a guarantee. When you start gaming it out, who's going to be playing in Arlington? You know, I people get annoyed because people do this every year, but I have a hard time not seeing Texas there. And I I didn't do all the tiebreaker scenarios, but I just said Texas or K State would get there at seven and two. Obviously, like I said, it's not a lock, and um, it'll be interesting how that unfolds. Like the Oklahoma schools are really going to play a huge factor in this, just because of the scheduling component that we just mentioned. Um, the it's funny, like as as easy as the Oklahoma State schedule is, if if you bring up the Cincinnati one, and now they're not going to be a factor. Um, theirs might be even easier, which is interesting to say the least. Um, but I'll say Kansas State gets there just off seven and two because. It wouldn't be that fun of me being on a podcast to say Kansas State goes seven to two in the Big Twelve and misses the Big Twelve title game, but I can't say beating Texas during the regular season. I would say Texas gets revenge in Arlington. Oh, so the inverse of last year that would have K State ten and three, most likely going to either the Fiesta or Cotton Bowl. I guess maybe technically the Peach could be involved. It's going to be a weird year because the Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl are the uh, playoff semifinals in the final year of the 14 playoffs. So all the bowl, like I, I think the orange it's, bowl it'll also, it'll also be dependent on if Texas is in the playoff or not. Well, yeah, I guess if you have uh, us playing them, that means they probably uh, would have gone 11 and one then since we had the tiebreaker. And that would make them 12 and one. Yeah. yeah. So it, it will be interesting. I can't wait. Uh, as you guys are listening, we're only six days away as we're recording only eight days away. Final two questions. These should be pretty easy. We've had near consensus on the first. We've had consensus on the second. First one of the four new schools to join the Big 12 this year, who makes it to Arlington first? Who makes it to Arlington first? Well, that's a good question. I would say Houston's probably the farthest away. Houston or Cincinnati, really. And BYU isn't really not that close either. UCF is the closest right now, but that doesn't mean that they'll be the first to get to Arlington because I do think there's a buildup here. BYU's got the Cincinnati. I don't like the Cincinnati coach. Houston's probably going to have to change coaches. UCF is probably the closest, actually. Yeah, I would say UCF. Only one person has said someone else, and I believe they had BYU. Can't remember. Now I can't remember. Who I would, it might have been Andre Napier who said BYU. I would take uh, – BYU before Houston or Cincinnati right now. Yeah, I agree. I'd go. I'd I'd go UCF, BYU, Houston because I think they'll fire Holgerson first, and then Cincinnati because I think they're yeah, going to get Satterfield two or three years. Yeah, Cincinnati's going backwards. Just a terrible hire and you know. yeah, uninspiring. And then probably the easiest question I asked you: uh, Who's going to be the first to play in Arlington of the four Pac-12 schools coming over? 
Arizona, Arizona. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, Utah's Utah. yeah. much further <laughs> along. I had to, like, think about it for a second. I was like, man, Colorado's trash, Arizona. I will say Arizona might be second now. Yeah, so I, I assume you, you like fish, fish, got them going. fish better than Dillingham? Yeah, because he made a bigger jump already. Like, this is Dillingham's first year, which I, I think that I would be – I would be excited if I was an Arizona State fan, but I think just think Jet Fish got a head start on him. Yep. All right. Well, that's all the questions. Uh, tell everyone what's going on over at Case Downline. Uh, talk about three ma if you want, and then where can everyone find you on social media? Yeah, you, well, you can find me, uh, Derek Young, KSO on Twitter, of course, or X, I guess. I'm going to have to get used to that. And then on the site, just getting ready for the season. I think we're almost – we might be at over a hundred preview stories now or right at 100. So uh, if you want to, you know, be prepared and know just about every nook and cranny there is about Kansas state football before Saturday, September 2nd gets here, that's a good source to go to. And then uh, on three mall, we'll just be churning out two, three podcasts per week and stuff of that nature. So a lot like it is every year where you can kind of count on us to, to be your guides for the season. Awesome. Well, Derek, thank you for coming on. Folks, we are through Blitz Month. Tomorrow, you are going to be hearing probably, I'm hoping, a very fun interview. I'm not going to say who it is just in case it doesn't happen. Everyone's disappointed if it's just me giving my predictions. Wednesday, I'll have my SEMO preview. Thursday, we're going to have a recording of our live show. Friday, we're going to have our first whip around show of the season. So it's time. It's game week as you guys are listening to it. Derek, you and I, we have a few days to get through. We got to get through the weekend, and then it'll be game week for us as well. So for Derek Young, for my dog Chauncey, best dog in the world, we love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. Network.